but just shoveling like stacks of, just, of bills just, into a yeah, jacket. Yeah, because he just has it in this in this locker, basically. It's, it's, <laughs> he just it's almost it. like a display case. Like, right. You can, it's not closed, but like the way it's laid out, there's not much money on each shelf. It's like like super organized. There's a lot of money all... on each shelf, yeah. Bustin. I don't know. Well, I mean, <laughs> but that I was mean, a lot. In... Hello, everyone, and welcome to Castle Bravo, a Godzillaverse retrospective. I'm Derek. And I'm Charlotte. And we're two siblings here to examine the history of the Godzilla franchise one movie at a time. But it's not just the two of us this time. Today, we're joined by fellow SDGC co-host and Godzilla aficionado, Justin Drew, a.k.a. RoboPlato. Justin, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of this show. I've been amped about it ever since you told me you were doing it. Any other people that watch SDGC will probably be very familiar with me and my love of Godzilla as well. So this is exciting. Uh, I'm I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 just super happy to have you on. I've already got you scheduled for one episode for all four seasons. Like you are, you yeah, are by all means. Of, you're not getting rid of me. Like even <laughs> if I wasn't scheduled, like I like you would just like post the audio, and then all of a sudden there would be an extra track like You'd added out there. of nowhere. <laughs> well. It's it's perfect because you also get like prime pick of the movies. You are basically getting the fan favorite movie out of every season to talk about. So, yeah, that that was by design. Yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. Justin. Yeah. How are we doing today? Good. It's Halloween. We're yeah. recording this on Halloween. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to kind of date like how far in advance some of the stuff has been recorded that we're we're recording the third to last episode of the season on Halloween. The first episode is launching on November 3rd. I've got everything up, automated, ready to roll. So, oops, gave away how long it takes me to actually get around to these. <laughs> Whatever, sorry. I <laughs> Yeah, this is going to release in like 2022, I think. So. <laughs> Technically, yeah. <laughs> At one a week, yeah. Yeah, it will. It'll be like in January, I think. Perfect. Perfect. Who cares? Yeah. The the movie's 50 years old. Who cares? That's a good point. Well, and like, I've been just, this has been a really rough several months as we've recorded because everything has been changing, like, at my job and my work schedule's moved around everywhere and... There's been a lot of stuff going on with me that I have not been able to get myself back into like the editing headspace to get this stuff done. So I've only finally really been able to start cranking through these again. But then we I mean, had to... don't beat yourself up about it. Technically, no, true. the show hasn't launched yet as yeah. we're recording this. So you don't really need to apologize. Yeah. And we had we... to push back recording a couple weeks because I, I had to get a root canal. Yeah, you so. had <laughs> you had teeth issues for, yeah, for quite I, some time. I realized I had written the date down that I was initially asked to record this episode. I'm like, hmm, I don't think that happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I saw it, and it was like, I think it was like September 5th when we were going to do it. I'm like, hmm, uh, I think that might have happened. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. What, whatever, you, you can you can edit out. That this part we don't no, really need to no. spill too much. People been keeping everything in. People need the people need the tea. They need to know exactly what the struggle is of trying to make like a pre-recorded podcast like this. 
I mean, we already said that I, I'm scheduled out for like four seasons, which who knows when those recordings are going to happen. I'm, I'm simply choosing not to think about it. <laughs> uh, so, so far on Castle Bravo, we've covered quite a few movies, almost entirely from director Ishiro Honda. I think most relevant for today, we've covered the original Godzilla, which Charlotte and I thought was excellent. Holds up very well to this day. We watched Godzilla Raids again, which not Mm. so much. (laughs) I think in particular, Godzilla Raids again has this problem where the main antagonist monster other than Godzilla dies or is removed from the film. Not dead. You know, I guess it's not really made clear with Anguirus, but at like the halfway point and then the movie kind of loses its momentum. And, and, and then also, Godzilla pouts right, in an right. ice field for 20 minutes. <laughs> There's also like, it, it has this heavily undercranked footage for the fights, which looks very awkward in Godzilla Raids again. And then, of course, we've covered the original Mothra, which me and Charlotte both found fantastic. Charlotte loved it. I loved it. It's, it's funny. It's got a lot of charm to it. It had more of a like an explicitly anti-capitalist kind of message at its heart in terms of like greed. Put a pin in that. Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But so, I mean, we've covered other movies, but I think what's interesting about these three movies in particular is they all contribute some DNA. Obviously Godzilla and Mothra contribute some DNA to Mothra versus Godzilla, (laughs) but Godzilla reads again. I bring up because there's, there's some interesting points I want to bring up when, when we get to it, that I think some of that movie's DNA was intentionally put in here, but yes, today's movie is Mothra versus Godzilla, 1964, not to be confused with Godzilla versus Mothra, which is a completely different movie. Uh, in 1990, what, like two or three, something like that? Yeah, and I'm, I'm currently com- wearing my Godzilla versus Mothra hoodie. I mean, yes. nobody's going to know that. Um, I'm not even on video with you guys right now. <laughs> but I want to be clear, I'm well aware this is from a different movie. You also have a really, really good Mothra wing pattern face mask I that do. I've seen a couple times, and it's incredible. It's gotten kind of worn out, though, unfortunately. Yeah. Were you super happy when I like picked that out at a glance? Like, oh my god! I was, I was so glad because like I, you were one of the people I was hoping would. <laughs> yeah. Because I got compliments. Um, I work at a hotel and I got compliments from people about it. They just thought it was a cool mask. Yeah. And then they'd ask me like specifically what it was, and then they'd be like, "Oh wow!" When I told them it was Mothra. What cool but nerdy I was very shit! Happy yeah. You got it right away. Yes. But. Yeah, Mothra versus Godzilla is kind of a big deal. It's a a huge, huge point in this franchise as it is building that that does not yet really exist. We can get to a lot of the behind the the scenes and and all of that kind of importance. But before any of that, Charlotte, why don't you tell us what actually happens in Mothra versus Godzilla? Okay, so... We start with a news reporter named Sakai and his photographer Junko, and they are taking pic- pictures of uh, the wreckage caused by a typhoon at Karata Beach. They can, find- I just, can I just yeah. say the actual opening sequence of this typhoon is That's amazing? Is incredible! Like it's incredible! Like it's it's some of the best like water work and miniature work I have seen. Like it, 
it feels like it's almost ripped from a different movie because it's tonally so different, but it's beautiful. When Honda shoots sequences of natural disasters, it has exactly the same feel as him shooting the giant monsters, which I think goes well with his kind of like equating the two generally in his movies. But um, I just love like right. we open on the scene of the typhoon action straight away waves throwing tankers on shore. Just very good shit. Yeah. And when they're investigating the wreckage, they actually find this weird oily looking object. They don't really get too far into that yet. But later that day, there's a giant egg discovered on the shore. And there's this scene where like a priest is doing like a protection ceremony towards the egg oh yeah they don't know what I, it is. I loved him <laughs> the villagers managed to salvage it and then some scientists come to study the egg so the reporter and the photographer go and ask professor miura questions about the egg and while they're trying to figure out what's going on this entrepreneur from this company called happy enterprises <laughs> shows up and runs all these people off, and he explains to everybody that he bought the egg from the villagers. He has a receipt and everything. <laughs> yeah. Calculated the cost based on his estimate of, well, the price of a chicken egg the is this. The price of a chicken egg is this. This <laughs> is 153,000 like... times the size of a chicken egg. Therefore. <laughs> <laughs> and at about this point, I was like, oh, oh, there's a wealthy businessman swooping in saying he owns things that he shouldn't. Yeah, if you watch the original Mothra, you are immediately like, oh, this is already headed in a bad direction. Also, Mothra's also egg make... is very recognizable, so you know immediately yeah. what it is if you saw yeah. the original film. Yeah. I, I also yeah. just want to note one thing that amused me greatly was the scientist that was, like, testing this egg. He has, like, a regular-ass desk set up on this beach right next to the, yeah, right next to the egg. And this he has, is my like, office. Like, like, test tubes and stuff on it. Like, like, it's so funny to see, like, how it is staged when he shows up. They had to convey that he's doing work, so he just brought his entire office. He's color pouring colored liquids into tubes of other colored liquids. He's performing science, <laughs> and he scra he scrapes like nothing off of the egg and starts testing it. <laughs> it's it, it's just it's just a very silly silly moment, especially since it's immediately followed up with this happy industries exec coming in. So yeah. I mean, Ishiro Honda obviously like has a deep appreciation for scientists even if yeah science is maybe not his strongest suit like side note though i'm noticing kind of a pattern in all of these movies we've been covering which is pretty much every time the protagonists of a movie are reporters or academics of some kind scientists professors what have you and occasionally blue-collar workers, right? The, the fisherman Ogata in the original Godzilla, for example, the miners in Rodan. But I don't think at any point has either a businessman or somebody from the military been the protagonist of one of these movies. I don't think that happens for quite a while. Yeah, I, and I'm struggling huh. to think of any movies where that happens under Honda's watch. Yeah. So just just worth noting. Meanwhile, yeah. we've now had multiple movies where uh, rich businessmen are the enemy. So 
just like this guy, Kumayama, yeah. who is yeah. now here. <laughs> Happy Enterprises. Oh my god. These guys, these guys are the most cartoonish businessmen I think I've, <laughs> I've seen in anything in quite some time. So, Kumayama, uh, this guy from Happy Enterprises, he basically tells the scientists that they can leave now because he's going to turn this egg into a giant tourist attraction, which the professor and, you know, our antagonist are not appreciative of, and neither was I. So <laughs> the three main characters go to a hotel and they start discussing the egg. Um, and while they're in the hotel lobby, they discover Kumayama, the businessman, checking in. Sakai, the reporter, wonders whether or not Kumayama is probably working for somebody else, and he decides he's going to look into it. Kumayama walks into his boss's room, Mr. Torahata. He's the head of Happy Enterprise. And they start discussing that they want to make this into like a billion dollar tourist attraction. And while they're trying to talk about how they're going to do that, the Shobijin show back up, the, the two tiny girls from the other Mothra movie, and interrupt them. And there was this scene when this is happening where the Shobijin are basically in the background going like, please don't do that, give us the egg back. And Torahata's like, please don't speak to me in such a weird voice, Kumayama, because he thinks it's coming <laughs> from Kumayama. Um, the, this entire hotel sequence is hilarious. Like, this scene and the following scene has one of my favorite cuts in all yes, of Yes, I think I know, but we'll get to that when we get to it. <laughs> um this this entire like setup is very very funny and like not in a oh this is an old movie kind of dated funny way like it's legitimately very funny. Honda's actually really good at this kind of gentle mild slapstick. Oh, yeah. I just love it. Yeah. The Shobijin explained that they're from Infant Island which is now I believe they they don't say Infant Island. I'm pretty sure they say Mothra Island, but our subtitle said Infant Island. It's, yeah, it's, the it's officially subtitles say Infant Island. Because it's yeah. officially been referred to as Infant Island in all of the English localizations. So, Gotcha. Um, so the Shobijin explained that that's where they're from and that the egg belongs to a monster named Mothra that lives there. And they basically just plead to the businessmen to give the egg back. And they're not going to do that, of course. And they instead are going to try to capture the girls, uh, which does not go well for them. <laughs> they can't manage to get a hold on these girls at all. And the Shobijin manage to escape the room. And they meet up with Sakai, Junko, and Miura outside the hotel. The girls beg them to get the egg back, too. And they do, they do the same scene again. Um, <laughs> I can't remember which two it was it's between. basically <laughs> the same scene, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, please don't talk to me in such a weird voice because the Shobijin are there talking in their ears, basically. But the three promise the Shobijin that they will try as hard as they can to get the egg back uh, to Infant Island. The girls basically explain that if the egg's not returned, that a larva will hatch and it, it will destroy everything trying to get the food and get its way back to the island. And then a their ride shows up, which is the current living Mothra. <laughs> 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 yeah they, they explain that that it's mothra's egg and then they're like well where's mothra and then it's like closer than you think and then it just pans over and mothra's just chilling on a hill behind this hotel 
Yeah, Nobody noticed. Notice. <laughs> Nobody noticed. Mothra's just hanging out. <laughs> well, that would require anybody to look up, which, as we know, people are very bad at. True. <laughs> but, like, oh, that cut is so, so funny. It's just, like, closer than you think. It's, she's just, like, right there. Sup. Um, <laughs> so, our protagonists go and they talk to Kamiyama, and... He, of course, is not very receptive to giving the egg back, and instead it basically offers them money for the Shobijin. He he offers to, you know, have them sell the, the girls into slavery to him. Which, no. So, Sakai talks about writing, like, editorials about it, but he basically says, okay, well, you know, this this is the law. They own the egg, technically. There's very little I can do. The Shobijin end up leaving, you know, without the egg. Uh, they thank the three for their kindness. And then we cut to Happy Enterprises being revealed to not have paid anything off, to barely be owning anything, because they haven't paid off their land. They haven't paid off the, the loan that they took up to pay the egg. Uh, pay for the egg, rather. They're not giving the egg money. <laughs> and um, I don't know what an egg would do with money. I don't know. <laughs> burn it to, to hatch which is essentially what they try to do they try to hatch the egg with heat and while they're doing this they determine that the oily object that they found at the wreckage at the beginning of the movie is revealed to be radioactive so our protagonists go and they start basically surveying an area for radioactivity and while they're doing this Godzilla just pops out of the ground yeah like it's th that area was just was it just supposed to be flooded because it looked like all of a sudden just all the water in the ocean was just gone and, the, and Godzilla's just chilling in the ground? Well, remember, they're doing that reclamation, so they're pumping all the water out of that area okay, gotcha, that's, like, gotcha. dammed off. So, presumably, Godzilla, after getting murked by Kong, I guess washed into that area in, and was kind of covered in sand, and then when they drained the water out, he was just, like, just under the ground. See, I wasn't sure if this like shared a continuity with anything else, or if Godzilla is just under the ground in this movie. Um, so I mean, they know Godzilla exists, so right. yeah. At this point, like, yes, there there is continuity here with the previous. Because also notice that the the businessmen knew who Mothra was. This was not That's like true. the first movie. So so Mothra had come to Japan before. So so yes, at this point we we have explicit continuity that goes all of the Godzilla movies, including Godzilla versus Kong before this, and then also Mothra. So right. everything else still to be determined. Right. So now we have Godzilla popped out of the ground. And he's and basic. He's basically drunk in this movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> he starts attacking cities, but there's like this scene where he just steps into a moat of a castle and he just kind of goes Whoop, and just like, trips. into the side yeah. of the castle. He, he he trips so many times in this movie. There's one point where he just gets his tail tangled in like a structure and brings it down and then then it falls on him and then he falls into something else. He's not at his best. Yeah. I, I will I will I will say that. He is very groggy this morning. It is yeah, not I helped mean, by the fact that so there's an accident while filming that dislodges the upper lip from the like inner teeth 
of oh, the that head. makes sense because it was obvious. So the oh. so the upper lip area is very wobbly because it's not well attached anymore to the inside of the mask. So he moves his head and the face wobbles and they were going to repair it. But they were like, no, we kind of actually like how this looks. So they just <laughs> they just kept doing that for most of the shots with Godzilla. So he does have this very kind of like wobbly upper lip that makes him look <laughs> a little goofy and cartoonish. Which is fitting for the target audience. This is clearly like Mothra, more of a like family targeted movie than a a grown up horror movie. Yeah, and Mothra herself is also fairly disheveled in this movie. Like, like the the stand-ins for each of them, like the the Godzilla suit and the Mothra um puppet, don't look so great in this movie. Yeah. They're kind of bumbling around a lot. I mean, the it, Godzilla suit is new and it looks excellent. It's just that, like, yeah, he's being played very drunkenly. I think on purpose and Mothra, I think they're using the same puppet as from the original movie, which is now very aged and disheveled, but that plays. I mean, it plays movie. into the plot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they, 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 they both, I thought, I thought look kind of good. Oh, there's also like a weird thing where they do a lot of shots of Godzilla where he's like looking right at the camera, but like his right eye is like really reflective in a strange way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it just model looked, puppet it, shots. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he just kind of bumbles around Japan for a little bit. Yeah. And the editor of Sakai's newspaper basically says that the, the military can't do anything against Godzilla and discusses it with Sakai and Junko. There's this reporter that's shown up a couple times named Jiro, who's always eating eggs. Um, <laughs> just constantly. He's the uh, one. Is Is he the one that like, when they started the things to try to like incubate the Mothra egg that did like the calculation based off of how long it takes him to boil an egg or something. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they do a lot of calc. They do a lot of extrapolation based off of like regular chicken eggs well, for see, the Mothra H egg many times in this movie. Honda had just discovered math. <laughs> uh I don't, I'm thinking about this math with giant stars in the past, so I guess so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Jiro, you know, the, the egg-loving man, walks in and, he, and he's like, well, what if we got Mothra to attack Godzilla? And Sakai and Junko are like, I mean, yeah, we could go to the island and ask for help, but I don't think that's going to work because we literally have bombed them with, you know, we've, we've done atomic testing there. And we didn't give them their egg back. And we kidnapped the priestesses. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, like, 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 they're all just like, I mean, we'll try, but it's not going to work. They've really <laughs> right. got no reason to work with us right now. Yeah. I, um, they do end up trying. Uh, they so go there with the professor. Before this, I think there was one of my favorite lines in all of these movies was one of the times where they they went to the um to the happy enterprise people and tried to like get them to give the egg back and explain that it was Mothra's eggs. And, and it's like, what, did Mothra give you power of attorney? <laughs> right? Oh yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, so so they, they head to this um infant island. Yes, they do. With Professor Miura. Um and they are basically immediately captured by the villagers. They're brought to the chief and they try to ask for assistance, but the chief is like, no, uh, all that stuff you listed before you came here, that's why. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> we like, were watching that scene. You're correct. <laughs> I do like but, that the the villagers like it's played at first kind of like, oh, savage villagers capturing the people. But it's also very clear by the time they get in there that it's like, no, no, no. You were in a radioactive hot zone and we brought you to a safe area. Now, please drink this medicine we've prepared that will help protect you from right. from the radioactive I think it's fallout. A bit better than it has been. Uh, yeah, uh, the villagers are also less like egregiously in blackface. Yeah. I mean, I still yeah, they're, am, they're all red in this one. Well, there's the the people up at the surface are, but most of the people down, um, you know, in the the caves and in the you know kind of village area and the dancers are. A little bit more natural skin tone looking. Yeah. But I yeah. mean, I still am pretty sure it's all Japanese actors in like makeup, but at least it's not the offensive blackface that we had in the original Mothra where people. Yeah, were no, in- it, it's, yeah. it's 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 not what the fir- the original movie is. Yeah, uh, it's it's better at least. Yeah. Yeah. They're um, wearing more clothes. That's true. <laughs> the Shobijin starts singing and everyone walks to the Shobijin. Um and the three ask the girls instead for Mothra's assistance, but they again say, All that stuff you listed before, no, <laughs> we're not going to help you. But then, you know, Junko gives this impassioned speech. Uh they basically say, Well not everybody in Japan can be blamed for what happened. And Godzilla's going to kill everyone if you don't help us. And, you know, Sakai adds, you know, we're all human. We all need to help each other. That sort of deal. Uh, And Mothra basically screeches in agreement. um, (laughs) And the Shobijin showed them over the Mothra. And they talked to Mothra about helping Japan. And they say, okay, well, Mothra's going to help you. But this is the last thing Mothra is ever going to do. Like, when she gets there, she's not going to have the strength to come back. She's probably going to die. That was a real dark turn real quick. And, yeah. And then, and then they were all of a sudden like, oh, but don't, but don't worry. Mothra doesn't really die. That's why that's why the egg's there. Like, right, right. But like, this, this Mothra is fucking die, but... dying. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, but this Mothra, see how, see how, see how beat up and disheveled she looks? Yeah, she, she's not doing much. Yeah, it was only like a few years ago that Mothra even hatched, though. So like, what the, what the fuck? How up? many times does Mothra die throughout these movies? A lot. Like she 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 really doesn't have the best track record. Mothra has alive. super dying powers. <laughs> well, you know, I would think that Rodan would be the Phoenix monster type character, but. We'll get yeah. into that later, oh. but, but Mothra or, or Rodan really does not have a like rebirth or fire association n- until like the 90s. Oh, OK. Rodan just big pterodactyl. I mean, huh. basically, Mothra's one of Mothra's powers is basically the constant rebirth it, through the eggs and everything. But right. it's just it's just. Very silly when you look at her track record in these movies. <laughs> like the puppet usually ends up on fire by the end. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So they start heading back to Japan. Um. They have my favorite scene in the movie where Jiro, you know the guy that loves eggs, 
he's standing around guarding the egg, and he's just like, I was told I have to guard this egg, and I am more afraid of losing my job than I am of Godzilla. <laughs> Once and again, capitalism is capitalism. the real monster. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, at least if he if he runs up against Godzilla, he doesn't have to live with that decision. Yeah. <laughs> 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 real real big millennial energy honestly yeah, yeah. <laughs> like hey if i die i die if i lose my job i get hungry right <laughs> no more eggs no more egg <laughs> so our our favorite man kumayama barges into torahata's room uh so it's it's the businessman barging into the the ceo of happy enterprises room and he demands that these that the ceo gives him his money back because he basically stole money from him. And the two get into a fist fight, and Kumayama manages to knock Torahata down. Kumayama is crawling towards the money cabinet and starts stealing money from him. <clears throat> but just shoveling like stacks of, just, of bills just, into a yeah, jacket. Yeah, because he just has it in this in this locker, basically. It's, it's, <laughs> just it's almost it. like a display case. Like, right. you can, it's not closed, but, like, the way it's laid out, there's not much money on each shelf. It's, like, like super organized. There's a lot of money all... on each shelf, yeah. Bustin'. I don't know. Well, I mean, <laughs> but, I mean in, in terms of effective use of the space. Right, well, that's fair. He needed it yeah. to be even on every shelf, you yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> Torahata manages to wake up while this happens, and he sees Godzilla approaching the hotel, and he does, you know, what any effective CEO would do, and he grabs a gun and he kills Kumayama, and he tries to start grabbing all of his money instead of getting out of there because he's a greedy man, and Godzilla destroys the hotel that he's in, and he also dies. This is a great <laughs> sequence, honestly. Like, one yeah. of the defining great sequences of the early age of Godzilla. I mean, the fist fight is rough. Like, Kumiyama straight up. Yeah, he, he punches the shit out of this dude. Like, repeatedly. Yeah. I was like, can you show this in a family movie? <laughs> and then the whole sequence of, like, there's something very, there's a manic energy to, like, just the, the shoveling the money into the jacket and then him getting shot and then... The, the 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 CEO guy, you know, and he straight up gets shot in the head. Dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and then no, he shot to kill. Yeah, and then uh, you know, going looking at Godzilla, looking at the money, weighing the options, and going, "Fuck it, I need that money," and then getting right. killed like like just perfect, absolute peak Godzilla. <laughs> it's also really funny that there's there like. Before you realize he's going to shoot the guy that's stealing the money, like it literally looks like he looks out the window, sees Godzilla, and then just reaches in this drawer and pulls out the smallest pistol you've ever seen. <laughs> and makes it look like he's going to fight Godzilla. I mean, Godzilla raids again, right? You had the cops shooting their little shitty handguns at Godzilla yeah. and Geras like it would do anything. Also, this might be the only person who's ever hit a target with a gun in these movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was really surprised when somebody shot a gun and then the other person died. Yeah. Like, that was surprising to me. You were well, expecting was, it like, to, like, hit the wall or hit the safe and be like, oh. Yeah, I was expecting, like, money to go flying. Yeah. Yeah. No, that dude gets well, fucking brained. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, everybody else, it looks like, makes it out of the hotel fine, except for just these two these guys. Just these two assholes. Well, yeah. Godzilla doesn't like that. They, like, took either. time to show everyone else escaping. <laughs> 
Yeah, they, they yeah. made it very clear that everyone else made it out. So after trampling businessmen that no one will miss, Godzilla starts walking towards the egg and decides he's going to try to destroy it. But then Mothra shows up, and it's fight time. So the two start fighting, and Mothra seems like she's going to win. Uh, but while on the ground, Godzilla starts you know, using atomic breath on Mothra and burns one of her wings. And she flies over to the egg and, like, rests her wing on top of the egg and then dies. Mothra puts up a good-ass fight, though, for being a moth. Yeah, she True. just, like, picks him up by the tail and drags him. The whole him. sequence of Mothra, like, kind of look at tail, look at Mothra, look back at tail, look back at Mothra. Like, the camera does this flip, 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 and you go like, oh, I know what's happening. <laughs> and then she grabs the tail and drags his ass, and he's just, like, clawing at the sand, like, help! <laughs> yeah, and they have like some like when they're like tangled up they have like they're running everything in like fast motion yeah they, they're just like flailing now around. this is where the action in this movie seems like it's a hybrid of godzilla versus king kong and godzilla raids again because godzilla versus king kong shot everything pretty much at normal speed but used a lot of like specific thing happens like king kong throws a rock and then godzilla shoots fire and then king kong does a monkey flip you know and and this movie does that but godzilla raids again has a lot of these action sequences where godzilla and anguirus are under cranked so the footage looks fast forwarded to make them look like they're faster and they're like just smacking into each other like action figures being held by a uh, an excited four-year-old and (laughs) you get a little bit of both of that in here, almost like Honda's playing around with to see what he likes and what he doesn't. And I will say, I don't think the undercranked footage parts work well, but no, it I, is I, don't, I don't think those ever work well. It, it pretty much stops after this movie, as I remember. So that's um, I like also around. Have they already done the scenes with the military? Because I, I want to talk about the scenes where, like, the, like, military... That's coming up after... Okay, that's that's coming up. Okay. Yeah, I, that's next. Okay, I then I will let you continue. All right. Well, so Mothra having died, quote-unquote, uh, Godzilla walks away, and the Shobijin start explaining that they can probably hatch the egg today now. Um, and they start to sing. And while they are trying to get this egg to hatch... Uh, the military decides it's going to fight Godzilla. And they basically start electrocuting him with, like, electrical wires. I called them Tesla cannons in my notes, but I don't know that that's what they would They be put, called. like, some, like, special generators on just regular telephone poles. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, they also have, like, a bunch of, like, tanks. Like, it, it, I, I always love the scenes with, like, the miniature tanks firing and, you know, miniature jets and stuff. But the these things, actually, the like electricity thing, seems really effective. Until, until, until Godzilla um, just gets mad it, enough to. <laughs> well, no. What happened is they like tried to like he's like turn it up. And oh they're yeah. Like, no, we can't. And then he's like turn it up anyway. And like they clearly have Godzilla. <laughs> and then they turn it up, and then it just blows out. And then he just blasts it with atomic breath. And then it's like, well, we're done. Yeah, they had it, but they lost it. <laughs> Far the closest they ever got to having it, frankly. Yeah, no, I was surprised by how effective that ended up being. 
Godzilla's just not having a good day in this movie. He's real. Like I said, he's really not at his best. He just got his ass beat by this monkey, and now he's waking up covered in sand. He's dirty. He hasn't showered, hasn't eaten in a while. He's hungover. And he's pissed. He's just trying. (laughs) Yeah. He gets a fucking bomb dropped on his head, and his head lights on fire. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. By the way, (laughs) unplanned, the suit caught fire. That that is our that is our Haruo Nakajima injury for this episode. Is he gets his fucking head lit on fire. Yeah, I mean it was pretty obvious that they actually lit that suit on fire, and I'm like, I don't think there's a safe way of doing no, that. But <laughs> but Nakajima, the fucking champ that he is, when that suit's head lit on fire, he kept playing the scene completely straight. So this the fire <laughs> ends up going out because the suit's not so flammable that it would continue to burn. Yeah, but. Um, but but he's definitely <laughs> yeah. walking around for a few seconds with his head straight up on fire. The reaction, you know, I mean, is is very yes, very much. In, it in is character a, it for is how a badass is shot because movie. Godzilla gets bombed and his head is on fire and he just fucking like angrily stomps off as the fire goes out rather than it looks panic. good. <laughs> yeah. It looks yeah. good. Yeah, it's but. bad as fuck. It's just also which means that Nakajima's bad as fuck. Yeah, but. I hope that everything turns out well for Nakajima because we're on we're on like the eleventh episode and I'm pretty sure he's been like dropped from heights and burned alive like six seven times so far. So I will no, say he, he lived Nakajima he lived only long life. only died a few years ago if I remember correctly. Yeah, it okay, like two, it was just like two years ago. Yeah, 2017. Um, he was 88 years old, so he did okay. Yeah. He 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 did fine. He did not he did not succumb to his many injuries he got on the okay. sets of these movies. But if you look at a picture of him, like if you Google Haruo Nakajima and find some pictures of him at the time, he does look exactly like the kind of like gonky like stunt man that you would expect to put in a rubber suit and just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> this dude is a king and I love him. Um, so with the military's failed attempt, uh, the Shobijin are still singing, and eventually Mothra's egg does hatch, but there's actually two Mothra larvae inside, and the Mothra larvae start following Godzilla to a place called Iwa Island, and basically they cocoon Godzilla, and (laughs) Godzilla struggles, and the reason I'm hesitating when I say, like, cocoon godzillas it was just a really interesting scene it's a really cool Um, scene where you've got the the two larvae like flanking godzilla and taking turns and like hiding they're like taking cover yeah they're fucking (laughs) guerrilla warfare over here as they spit this and i love the effect of the the spit i don't know what that is i don't know how they're doing that like practically as an effect but no, but it, it works. I mean, it's it's like silly string, basically. Well, but it, when yeah. they spit it, it almost looks like a very thin, like like water jet spray, but like bright yeah. white. It doesn't look like the silly string approach. But then, yeah, the further it goes out, it like expands out and becomes these fibers. And then eventually Godzilla's just so wrapped up in fibers that he's like cocooned and mummified and just stumbling around. Yeah, and then he falls into the ocean. One of the one of the larvae before the, before they get to webbing. I just want to point this out. 
We have a repeat of the tail thing where we show Larva Face and then Godzilla's tail and then Larva Face and Godzilla's tail. And I'm just like, oh, he about to get it again. It's it's that scene is so funny, too, because it just seems like the larva is just like, I want to eat it. Yeah, I'm good. Like, like, it doesn't seem like it's like planning an attack. It seems like it just got distracted. It's like, oh, that looks good. Yeah, I'm going to get that. Then he bites the tail and then Godzilla flips the fuck out like me when a spider's on my hand. Like, oh, my God, it's on me. It's on me me it's on me he's pulling and throwing this thing around on his tail too because the larva is attached to him oh um just also the only thing on this island is like a teacher taking a bunch of kids on like a hike yeah and so they're in a cave while this is happening they had to be there to increase the drama of the scene that's what i what if the teacher and the 10 small children get hurt eh. <laughs> Yeah, like it, just, it literally just seems like Godzilla's like, oh, I want to fuck up some kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then just goes to this island. <clears throat> Jeez. But Godzilla gets fully wrapped up in the cocoon, falls into the ocean, and then the Mothra larvae celebrate and go home. And there's this... End of film. <laughs> basically. I mean, there's a speech at the end, and like the Shobijin have already left. And the protagonists are talking amongst themselves and like, well, I didn't even really get a chance to thank them. And one of them says, the only way we can thank them is by making a better world free of distrust. And then it, and then it, that is more closure than some of these movies have gotten. Let us not (laughs) forget, let us not forget Atragon, which just rolls credits on the, the princess swimming into the sea after the the burning (laughs) ruins of her civilization and then decides to go fuck these people movie over (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh so this movie kind of fucking rules yeah yeah i i I like this one it's not one of my favorites but it's fun yeah uh i i I do i do enjoy this this is easily like one of the most highly regarded godzilla movies by fans and critics like it's not I don't think it's it's most people's favorite favorite, but pretty much everybody respects what this movie is. Like it's just it's just very good. So this is the dream team back at it. Ishiro Honda, um, Subarai is on effects, Ifakube doing the score, our our wonderful boy Nakajima in the Godzilla suit. Um, one of my favorite things about this movie is that it was Build in the U.S. as Godzilla versus the Thing, and the the enemy monster that Godzilla was fighting was censored on every poster and piece of promotional material. The idea huh. being like, whatever the Thing is, it's so horrifying that you we can't show it on posters. You'll have to go to the theater <laughs> to see it, and and then it's fucking Mothra. Godzilla versus the Thing would have been a very different movie. Yes, right. Oh God. <laughs> also. That movie would rule. Yes, it would. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. But but it's actually funny. I'm going to find and drop in the uh, the chat uh, a poster for this movie so that you can see Charlotte. Because I'm sure, Justin, you've seen the famous poster for this. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hang on. Hang on. I, I don't remember. Was the original Mothra released in the U.S.? It was. Okay. Because I... I I couldn't remember if that might have been one of the um, reasonings for it. No, I think. What? Yeah, I know, right? That makes it look like Godzilla's fighting some horrifying tentacled, like 
It looks love, like Biollante. It, it honestly <laughs> does look like Biollante almost, but it's some Lovecraftian horror that you can't even fathom what it could be. <laughs> Behind this panel is the thing. the thing. We're literally not allowed to show you this because it's too scary and will make your children shit themselves to death. Like, see the war of the giants, the birth of the world's most terrifying monster, the armies of the world destroyed by the thing. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's not this movie. And it's funny That's because Mothra shows up real early in this movie in a non like destructive or combative context like it's 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 not even much of a godzilla's the thing that gets pulled out halfway through the movie you know this is more a mother movie than a godzilla movie in a lot of ways so it's it's just very funny um but i mean it, it, i think it's an incredible movie i think that the mother larva fighting godzilla in the end is is one of the better and more memorable action sequences in this whole run of Godzilla movies from like the fifties to the seventies. It's just very, very good. Uh, I, I, I want to mention it again, but I, that opening with the typhoon oh, is phenomenal. Yeah. Like it's, it's outstandingly well made. Eiji Tsuburai um, has really got a handle on miniature work and scenes of destruction at this point. Yeah, the miniature work is all really good in this movie for the most part. Um, it was really fun fun to watch, especially like on the re- in the restored version where you can really like see all the detail that went into it. Yeah. So we kind of already talked a bit about Godzilla having a new suit, but having kind of a weird wobbly upper lip. I still really like Godzilla's design in this movie, which is a little further refined from when we last saw him in Godzilla versus King Kong. Or King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, that's right. Because Godzilla is yeah. still second billing in both of these movies. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it, it was very funny to me. Like, especially when he falls into that castle and like the top half of his head just goes. Bleh. That's actually when <laughs> that sequence specifically is when the snout breaks. And oh, um, oh not when he got set on fire. No, the snout breaks because he smashes his fucking head into the castle. Um, and Nakajima was supposed to break that castle, but couldn't because they accidentally built it too sturdy. So Godzilla's like <laughs> frustration in in those couple shots where he's like, why? Why? Like he's supposed to be breaking it and he's not. So Nakajima <laughs> played it off as like Godzilla getting mad. So are we sure? Yes. Yes. I, Nakajima wasn't just frustrated with it. I mean, no, I think Nakajima was probably also just frustrated with it. But the point is, like, yeah. that's kind of improv a bit. So, but that is also where the the face gets dislodged a little bit and you get that wobbly upper lip, which a lot of future Godzilla suits would emulate to much lower degrees that he's got kind of a upper lip. So, yeah, they they kind of change it to more of like a snarl. Yeah. Like as time goes on, but he'll still like get get his ass blown up and like pull himself off the ground and shake his head and you'll get that bit of a So, but it's, it's, it's very good. This is really the movie that I think starts to, starts to better define what Godzilla's going to be. This is that exact turning point between the more horror-focused first two movies and King Kong versus Godzilla having Godzilla be a big dumb lizard and this being maybe a little bit more funny and more family oriented and 
I mean, between King Kong versus Godzilla and Mothra versus Godzilla, like these two movies are the turn, basically. Uh, we talked about Mothra's basically the same as the last movie, but it's just the much more frazzled looking prop, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, the yeah, <laughs> the larva don't really look any different from in Mothra's movie other than there's two of them and they have red eyes now instead of blue, I think. And um, I like the, I, the larva design is pretty consistent yeah. throughout all these movies. And I, I mentioned the uh, the the web spraying from the mouth is a pretty cool effect. But, you know, we've seen all of these before and there's just some slight refinements to Godzilla's new suit and design. and. Mothra looks like Mothra and the larva look like the larva. And, you know, it's surprising how little new is in this movie. It's just, you know, I mean, I think that builds on it's what, a crossover. What, yeah, it's like a perfect yeah, well, crossover. Well, and I think it also builds on what, what you're saying about this, like kind of laying the foundation like this movie kind of really cements Mothra. Godzilla, <laughs> like in a lot of ways. Both, you know, design wise, behavior wise, how they're going to interact, that sort of thing. Like, it all seems kind of like this is where they were really figuring out how to merge these. Two. Yeah. Godzilla being a little bumbling at times, which Godzilla would be a lot during the Showa era. Yeah, he's he's extra bumbly. Yeah. In this one. Still suffering from a concussion. I'm getting just <laughs> got monkey punched. So. We talked about this being kind of a, a perfect combination of Godzilla and Mothra. And in a lot of ways, I think when you get to the actual politics and themes of this movie, it's it is once again just exactly these two things. The the main human villains are greedy capitalist entrepreneur types who are, you know, trying to make anything into a business and hide behind like, oh, you know, oh, does Mothra give you power of attorney? Like, what the fuck does human legal <laughs> proceedings mean in this kind of in this kind like, of situation right like how dumb of an idea is it to build an amusement park around a giant egg that will like, hatch it's, like it's yeah they're they're hoping it hatches if it like, doesn't it's just gonna stink <laughs> like it like the, their entire plan is like a somehow even worse thought out version of jurassic park yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but um but yeah, and of course we get the anti-nuclear themes because the testing that's been going on on Infant Island since what was mentioned in the original Mothra has only continued, that fallout has continued to damage the island to the point that only small pockets of it are livable and support life anymore. But I think the anti-nuclear themes, and, and y'all tell me how you feel about this, I do feel like the anti-nuclear themes have taken a backseat to the kind of satire on capitalist greed i agree with that i do think that with the normal anti-nuclear themes the the main way that this movie grapples with that is it basically says that because we've continued to use nuclear weapons or had in the past at least we we kind of shut some doors yes that's a good as, like, take who's going to help us that's a really good take. It's made yeah. damage to our like obviously there's the ecological side of things, but I didn't think about the idea that it does. It's it's because of this we no longer have an ally in Infant Island and and only just barely got Mothra to help at all. Right. So, no, that's a good point. Yeah, it's really just like Mothra is nice. Yeah. 
so yeah. <laughs> she'll, she'll help us out. But like, and also Mothra's she, egg is in danger, very... so that's kind of a big deal. But yeah, yeah. But I mean, they they make it pretty clear that like there's not really a reason for these people to help. Yeah, I think that helps. That makes a a, a big impact earlier in the film before Godzilla shows up, because when the Shobijin are leaving, they're like, "Well, we tried." We tried to help y'all, and, and y'all won't help us, so I guess this egg is just going to hatch, and whatever damage it does to you, it does to you. That's not our problem. We'll get these ba- this baby back. You know, yeah. they're, the, the larva's going to come back to the island. We just wanted to help y'all avoid some damage and be nice, but, you know, fuck y'all, I guess. Like, that's that whole scene <laughs> in a nutshell. Um, yeah. And I think that's very impactful. I, th- I think there also is, like, um, you know, there's a whole thing about like the journalists trying to like add context to the public and like the idea of like making a better world and like how they struggle against a lot of these corporations. I mean, it was kind of just one scene, but like they published everything that they found out about Mothra and the egg. Um, and you know, the, the company is like going around and like throwing out flyers like, oh, check out this wonderful amusement park we're building and like you can get free tickets if you come in. Um, and I, I just thought that was a re- it was a really neat thing to throw in, like the like constant fight between, you know, journalistic integrity and reporting and like cor- like corporate influence over the public. Yeah. Yeah, I think that Honda likes to make statements about the importance of like the role of the fourth estate but you know it, it's so like like you said earlier it's always like the, a news person i i think that honda believes in the news and like what it should be doing yeah i mean look and, at and, multiple and times multiple times we've had heroic reporters right alongside heroic scientists and and academics and again a couple of times blue collar workers I think if you if you look at who Honda uses as his heroes and his villains, it becomes very clear that academics and reporters are people that he holds in incredibly high regard. And again, to a to a lesser extent, your blue collar level workers who are sometimes the heroes, but but to much lesser degree. And then you look at his portrayal of business people or or investors, and it's almost always negative. And then you look at his portrayal of the military, you know, the self-defense force, where they are often ineffective but trying to help, but people in the military have not been broadly the main protagonists. We've had, like, the shithead nationalist admiral one, in, yeah. in, in um, Atragon, and we've had a couple of people in, like, Gorath who were in the military structure, if I remember correctly, who were you know, basically good guys, but just trying to get that crazy ass plan off the ground. But yeah, like military is kind of somewhere in the middle where like you can be good or bad. You're kind of just whatever you are. Business people are almost always greedy and untrustworthy and reporters and academics. There's just this super optimistic, you know, view of their role and their integrity. So and that plays out in this movie too. And I just think I think this is almost the purest Godzilla so far. This is the purest version of Honda's beliefs and vision and his style, both in what comes before and after. This is that perfect like linchpin center point of everything, if you ask me. 
It's it's where like everything yeah. got calibrated and like yeah. focused in and like what they what they continue to build on going through all these movies. Yeah. So look, we've all already said that this movie absolutely fucking rips. We've said the stuff that we like throughout. Is is there anything about this movie that that y'all disliked beyond? You know, I kind of mentioned I didn't like the overcranked or undercranked, excuse me, footage in a couple of the action sequences with Godzilla and Mothra. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, agree I, with that too. I think both Godzilla and Mothra are, I mean, it's endearing for this movie, but they're very, very dopey yeah. <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> and I, 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 I think that can be re- refined, refined a little bit. Like, like God's the, the scenes of Godzilla's destruction are kind of undermined by being like almost slapstick level of him bumbling around. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I didn't, I didn't dislike that stuff. It just, you know, didn't work as well for me, but it's still entertaining in its own right. Yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I don't know if you had anything, anything to add beyond that point. Not really. I mean, this is my first viewing of it and nothing really stuck out as like bad. Yeah, I mean, again, you look at the time. This is what nineteen sixty four. Like this yeah. movie's incredibly well made for its time uh, in terms of its effects work, and you know, obviously, there's there's various things. I don't know. I think the script is fairly tight. I think the pacing's pretty good. Like this is a a really solid fucking movie. I don't know. Yeah. So there's been this thing about a lot of the beginnings of these movies where there's a lot happening very fast, and like if you blink, you will miss a plot point and i feel like it slowed down a little bit in this one it was spread out a little bit better throughout the movie yeah the pa- the pacing is is pretty tight in this movie yeah. although it, it 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 was kind of jarring all of a sudden when they reveal like the thing that they found on the beach was radioactive like that jump that jump really got me when like all of a sudden they're at like this nuclear testing facility <laughs> like out yeah, of yeah they nowhere. really just kind of showed up there yes yeah. they just needed a place to bring in godzilla i think and they were just like here we go Yep. Um, but yeah, in general, like it moves forward at a good clip, but not like <laughs> to the like breakneck pace of some of these other ones. So as far as where this movie fits into the grand scheme of things, you know, we've kind of repeated a couple of times through here that this is this is almost exactly the point that sets the tone for where this franchise will be in this entire era from the 50s to the 70s. This is the first time that a movie starring Godzilla pulls in something outside of itself so explicitly. Like, yeah, we had King Kong versus Godzilla, but King Kong was really introduced for the first time in that movie. And Mothra versus Godzilla goes, okay, well, Mothra happened. Like, that's that's part of this now. And that's something that's going to happen a lot from here out is these movies starring Godzilla are going to keep pulling other movies and bits of other movies in until eventually it's just one big conglomerate. And I think it's interesting to note that King Kong versus Godzilla and Mothra versus Godzilla in both cases, Godzilla has second billing and the next movie Godzilla is going to appear in Godzilla is not even in the title. But that, I think, really becomes the point where this becomes God's like Godzilla's franchise is getting pulled together here. This is where we start seeing those connective tissues 
start to pull together, I feel like. Um, if that was it just that Godzilla wasn't like firmly a major player, or was it that Godzilla was created to be an antagonist? I think it's a bit of both because the first Godzilla did modestly well, it did better after its first run in theaters, if I remember correctly. And Godzilla Raids again was not particularly like popular or successful. Well, I know <laughs> King Kong versus Godzilla did super well, but again, King Kong that was almost more a King Kong movie than a Godzilla movie in a lot of ways. And King Kong was obviously the big the bigger draw of the two. So we get to Mothra versus Godzilla and maybe the order of the names doesn't mean much, but this is still tonally more a Mothra movie than a Godzilla movie. And in both cases, Godzilla's played as the antagonist, not as the hero. So I think that's part of it is Godzilla has gotten to be the bad guy in all four of these movies he's shown up in. And there's a point where his popularity combined with his kind of face turn in the next movie he appears in starts to make it like, okay, this is this is Godzilla's franchise now. So, but at this point in time it really wasn't this way. Godzilla was a was a was a heel. You know, Godzilla got to be the bad guy for four movies in a row. So, it's it's it, like I said two of which were crossover movies. So, this is where those yeah. tissues are are shooting out, but we're not 100% there yet. That's coming. That's two episodes from now. So, do we have any final thoughts about this movie before we wrap? Um, I, I think we've pretty much thoroughly covered, you know, our, our, our thoughts on this one. This is a fun one. Uh, I, I really had a good, good time watching this one again. It's been, it's been a while since I'd seen it. Um, and the restoration that I watched was excellent. Yeah. It's always, always really nice. Because uh, most of these I watched on, like, I watched, you know, poorly set up pan and scan VHS. Yes, with really dubs. bad Hong Kong dubs and watching <laughs> yeah. these restored in their original Japanese is it's it's I can take them a lot more seriously when I see like, oh, this is how this movie was intended by the creator. So and it wasn't hacked to pieces. So, yeah, it, it feels more like watching a classic movie instead of something like silly that I found when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do still have fond memories of those trips to, you know, Blockbuster Video and grabbing, you know. Oh, oh, I mean, I'll, I'll never not have fond memories of that. But like, you know. Yeah. Nowadays, being, being able to like have releases of these things like in the Criterion collection um, and stuff, I, I think is really, really cool. Um, and I, th I think it's a really great way to watch these movies if you can get a hold of those versions of them in some way. I think they're on streaming um as well as home release yeah i mean so. i've watched on hbo max so yeah I, not to, I not to the, fucking plug a giant corporate entity but you know well, i i i have the show show what era um you got the box set like for blu-rays right big, yeah. yeah big collection for Criterion, hell yeah so that's the way i i got to crack that open <laughs> Well, folks, that's a wrap on this episode. Thank you all so much for joining us both on our journey and for this film specifically. Join us next week for one of the few movies in this podcast series I've actually never seen, the 1964 kaiju flick Dagora. If you want a better and more topical summary for that next movie, check another episode because it isn't happening here. Justin, have you seen Dagora? No, I have not. Yeah, it seems like it's one that 
is is a lot more obscure than I, even most of the ones we've I've covered the, so far. Yeah, I've only even heard of it in passing. I don't it's even It's the really space know. jellyfish one. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I know. It's the space jellyfish one cuz it's a space jellyfish that has been pulled into the background of I think two other Godzilla projects that like oh that's a thing that happened but otherwise is very on the margins so basically it was a suit or puppet they had lying around that they could use Maybe. in other projects I, know, I know, ever, I've looked up screenshots and it literally looks like somebody just took a picture of a jellyfish in an aquarium so I don't know I don't know <laughs> I mean that's also very likely we're gonna, fu- we're gonna fucking find out ain't we well, you can follow us on Twitter for more of our sparkling personalities. I'm at Derby City Derek. I'm at Vicero Complex. And I'm at RoboPlato. And you can follow the show itself at Castle Bravo Pod for production updates. Take care, everyone. Castle Bravo is a production of Derek Van Dyke and Charlotte Landale. All editing is performed by Derek Van Dyke. Special thanks to Julianne Lamont for designing our original art assets and to David Van Dyke for providing our theme song, Pools of Memory.